everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker, and welcome back to this week's edition of our ongoing weekly podcast series, Affective Leadership, Positivity Promotes Productivity. In September, we focused on affective leaders, establishing a personality and presence across their organizations. And then in October, we discussed many different aspects of establishing what we call really good communication across the organization. Now, throughout November, we are going to discuss how affective leaders can establish and maintain high expectations and also how they can encourage and support people in their organization to advance to positions of greater responsibility and authority. And it is now my pleasure to introduce my podcast partner in promoting the many benefits of affective leadership, my co-host, Jack Barkley. Thank you, Jamie. Glad to be back with everyone. And it's great to have you back on board, Jack. Now, as an affective leader, Jack, how did you balance the importance of regularly reaching out to people working under you while also holding them to very high standards of performance? Well, Jamie, this is a great question, and it really is the essence of affective leadership. Regularly uh, reaching out to people involves two, I think, two key facets that we've discussed in earlier podcasts and touched on, clear, consistent, and timely communication combined with an effort to know people uh, and build and maintain positive relationships with them. So high standards of practice evolve over time and involve modeling the, you know, many of the following working alongside the team. Often think of a desire for the whole group to succeed and be successful and and pursuing something new and unique in the organization. I wouldn't you agree, Jack? Like when I hear new and unique, like to me that that just naturally aligns with what is known, I guess, as intelligent risk taking. The whole concept of we're constantly pushing the envelope across the organization and we're encouraging and valuing people who think outside the box. Uh, that, that's so right, Jamie. I like that idea of an intelligent risk-taking because risk-taking can, can go both ways if, if you're not careful, but that's a key point. And, and this is where knowing the people on your team is so important and utilizing the strengths of your team as you work alongside them. Um, you know, with that, I think part of the intelligence in risk-taking is keeping the focus on the goals of your organization in mind with your team. And then another really important point, and, and this is where we, we've talked along the way about the leader being secure in him or herself, that accepting and learning from failure, it's okay to admit that to your team. Oh, absolutely. And as you know, Jack, it, 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 to me, it's more than okay. It's, it's huge. It ends up actually, you know, it ends up being kind of a 180 in the sense it becomes a real positive if it's done properly. Like, would you not agree, Jack, that the fact you were encouraging intelligent risk-taking, then obviously, by definition, some of the intelligent risks are not going to pan out. And it is so important, as you say, for the in those situations for the leader to accept responsibility and accountability rather than kind of throw the rest of the team under the bus, so to speak. Yeah, that, that's, it's so true, Jamie, to, to, to think of that and to think of those situations because accepting and learning from failure, it's almost trying again to uh, get the idea right or to uh, try and find your pathway 
with your group and and uh, you're, you're so right with that and I think that also involves something that we call persistence in the task at hand and that that's that to me that plodding ahead uh, you know with your team and showing that you're not really going to give up on that that goal or goals at hand well that whole give up notion like to me that of course is also so closely related to the whole idea of buy-in and people are, are much less likely to uh, give up if they are that much more committed. But would you not agree, Jack, that we have to respect the fact that I guess I kind of call I guess I kind of call it people's buy-in rates, but people buy in at different at different rates and at different times of the process. Absolutely, and and that's where you I guess that leader combines that patience and that persistence of of moving forward. And and we're going to talk about persuasion coming up and and moving people along with that. I think having a, that humble demeanor and being able to share the success, you know, as we, as we say, is, is important as well with, with your group. Well, and as we mentioned, I mean, ultimately, affective leaders, they end up taking a lot more blame uh, than they do credit, no doubt about it. And just you know, one last point, it's so important with all of these is that whole idea of integrity and ethical behavior. And, and we talked about working alongside your team, modeling for your team. But when we talk about all of these points, that good decision making, that honesty is so important uh, with your team. Well said, Jack. And it's so fitting you closed with words like integrity and ethical behavior. Because I mean, let's face it, bottom line, those are some of the real, what really these high standards are really all about. I mean, they're at the essence of really what we're talking about today, and they're at the essence of affective leadership. Yes, Jimmy, and the best way to, this is the best way to hold people to those high standards above and beyond these points mentioned. It's to model them in all that you do as a leader day in and day out. And uh, our own actions as leaders uh, create that culture where employees are, are both challenged but supported, it's being supported. So now let's look at, turn to specific ways that effective leaders empower their employees. And then, and, and leading off, I think about that phrase, we talked about creating a culture of commitment. Uh, and you talk about that idea of persuasiveness and trying to move your group along because they're not, you have to show them where, where they're going and, and, uh, and get that buy-in as we speak. And once again, the buy-in can't, I want to stress, I was just about to say, Jack, the buy-in can't be forced, but I want to stress that obviously in the real world realities, it isn't like people can buy in at any old pace they wish, obviously. The organization right. needs to move forward and so on. But I just, I guess what I'm trying to say, Jack, is there needs to be a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of wiggle room that people are going to buy in at slightly different speeds because uh, the buy-in and the intelligent risk-taking is all, of course, based on people leaving their comfort zones. And to me, people are, well, excuse the lame pun, but they're more comfortable than other people at leaving their comfort zones. And it all comes down to what I would call different strokes for different folks. Right, right, Jamie. And this is where I, I think what I'm hearing you say is people need to feel heard and recognized in this in in this moving along with the team so appealing to the merits uh of your team and, and those skills is so important oh i oh i think you hit the home run i've never really had that heard those words used in that uh way before jack but i love this idea that you're appealing to 
say the merits of the team and the merits of the individual team members. Because in other words, I take it that you're like as a team member or a potential team member, uh, my, my chest is kind of pumping out because my, my boss is, is looking at me from a position of my strength. So in other words, I am being looked at as a, a really a positive addition to the team because my boss is, is well aware of all the unique things that I can bring into the equation. So I love that idea of, of joining through your merits. In other words, I'm joining from a position of strength, not a position of weakness. Yes, that's, that's so right, Jamie. And then it goes back to what you said. If, if, they're, if your team members are feeling that way, they're much more likely to come outside of their comfort zone. And, and then that commitment can become contagious with your key people. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, it's self-perpetuating. And that, of course, is utopia for any leader. Uh, and, and the second step uh, for empowering employees is I, I look at it as, as, as a, a powerful metaphor about the kind of the frame versus the canvas. And I want to stress that every organization needs an established structure. They need a frame. And within which the basic expectations for every role in the organization are clearly understood by all. However, Jack, where I get into the canvas part is I think it's also important that there's a fair bit of individual latitude uh, provided within this framework to address, once again, the, the certain skills and so on different people bring into the equation. And so what I, what I think you're saying, Jane, in that latitude, uh, we as effective leaders have to have that trust in our team to be able to, to give them that latitude. Well, and I mean, to me, a, a big part of that trust, no doubt about it, is providing people in the organizations, particularly in like your leadership team and in your in real uh, roles of responsibility, but provide them with a brush. And so on the canvas, people have that kind of metaphorical brush, and that means they can actively contribute. And in other words, they are now tangibly part of the process. Right. And, and as an effective leader, I really like that metaphor, but as an effective leader, then by showing that trust, we're not just going to take that roller over the canvas and, and uh, either do the work for them or give them a token task per se. Otherwise, people aren't going to buy in the next time. Very true. So the third point is, uh, around providing growth opportunities for all those people in your organization, on your team. And uh, to me, this, this means encouraging um, that fluidity and growth opportunities for your group. And, and, and again, bringing that, that internal opportunity to your people's attention. Effective leader is going to do that for sure. Well, I, I, I think that those are keys, Jack. Like the idea to me is, we can't know, you know, six, eight, 12 months ahead of time, everyone in the organization kind of knows who is kind of cemented into those certain leadership roles. Like I think there needs to be, on the one hand, stability, don't get me wrong, but I also think it's also kind of fluid too, that uh, different people are kind of rising up to the occasion, so to speak. And in terms of recognizing and uh, really appreciating internal opportunities and letting your, your employees know that, of course, is, is really a, a direct byproduct of affective leadership at its best, because I know, Jack, certainly you were an affective leader, and you would have known 
your employees' strengths and interests, and maybe most importantly, uh, their future ambitions, which of course would help you align them and really kind of red flag really good opportunities for them. Well, and thanks, Jamie. That's, that, it's so true. And that's where we go back and we talk about knowing your employees and having those conversations with them, building relationships. And once you know that, that, that affective leader is almost uh, is unselfish and always considering that greater good of, of the team, of the organization, and the best interests of, of the employees. It's not, it's not your own um, selfish short-term agenda that's, that's in front of you. Oh, well said. Well said. As, as an affective leader, we realize it's not about me, but it's, it's ultimately what's going to be a benefit to your, you know, I, well, obviously I want to stress, Jack, before I continue, obviously every decision made is ultimately for the best interest of the organization, obviously. But along that line, the more highly motivated we can make our employees and a bigger part of the puzzle they really genuinely feel that they are, then, of course, it's going to benefit the overall organization. That's right, Jamie. And I think that that's going to be seen from our lens uh, and the higher up, the, the people above uh, our role, it's going to be seen overall by the organization as developing a good, solid, better overall team. You raise an excellent point. In doing so, you're right. It's going to reflect very well on the affective leader, too. That, that's an excellent point. Now, the fourth step is all about what I would call accepting and promoting the, quote, grow and goes. In other words, we want to create a vibrant, really kind of uh, living organization. I guess I mean like an organization with a real pulse where people know that if they work hard, there are going to be growth opportunities. And that's the grow part, of, co of course. But the go, I think we have to accept the fact as affective leaders that sometimes our, our real keeners kind of quote below us are going to ultimately attain positions in different organizations beyond ours. And I think we have to kind of accept that. That's kind of reality. And we want to still make sure that we're always kind of presenting that culture that's really kind of vibrant. And once again, everyone's got their or kind of really committed in the water, so to speak. And I know another kind of metaphor that I liked, I think is, is apt in this case is are, are reliable people who do their job really well in an organization on a daily basis, I would consider to be our hurdlers. And we have to encourage our hurdlers to become high jumpers. High jumpers are the people who have really shown potential to move up the chain of command, They've given that little bit more, and they really are future bright lights. Well, those high jumpers have to be encouraged to become pole vaulters. They have to reach up higher. And the pole vaulters, they really are the stars in the making. They are our future leaders. And once again, pole vaulters need to be provided with both challenges and opportunities. Uh, understanding, once again, that within a little bit of flexibility, people will be striving and attaining these heights at different paces. I, I really love that analogy, uh, Jamie, of the hurdlers, high jumpers, and pole vaulters, because you, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of people that I worked with along the way who would certainly fit into those categories at, at different times. And if I'm hearing you, I, I'm thinking that it's, it, it's our roles in, that encourage supporting and monitoring by giving honest feedback to the different people on our team 
But, you know, that caution in the back of my head too is that obligation to, you know, in a dignified way to put up that stop sign when that person isn't quite ready to go to that, that next uh, level of responsibility. Oh, that, oh, that is a key. I think it's uh, so important, as you say, both for the individual's kind of uh, well-being and uh, real kind of stress level and so on and so forth. There's no sense promoting them for something they're just not ready for. And I think it, where it gets really challenging, Jack, as you know, there are some of those situations where honestly that person may well never be ready for uh, that future position. And I think as affective leaders, we can, as you say, I think respectful, obviously have a respectful conversation, but I think we really have to have some of those difficult, challenging, candid conversations with people, ultimately both for the individual's best interests and obviously for the best interests of the organization. And one last point, Jack, in terms of kind of this people having a little bit of wiggle room on setting their kind of career path in terms of pace. I think right now in particular with all of the uh, COVID-related issues, people have so many personal and physical and family matters in play and collectively they can have a real impact on how someone kind of perceives their future professional trajectory and how someone may look at their career path right now a bit differently than they did 12 months ago. And I think as affective leaders, we need to recognize and respect that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jamie. I think in what you're describing is it's, it's that affective leader being supportive without being pushy. And, and it makes me think of another phrase we covered uh, earlier, re being realistically optimistic with, uh, with that emphasis on realistic uh, there. So it's, it's important to remember that people's skills, I think, are individualized. And, uh, and this is how they arrive uh, here in the first place. Uh, with the organization as, as, as we turn to our last section on empowering employees, that fifth section, we need to remember that, that those differences that we see and recognize in people are so very key. So this last section, we talk about encouraging compliments and that's compliments with an E, first E, uh, where uh, the differences make everyone on, on our team stronger. Well, Jack, and bringing this subsection on complementary teams kind of to a close, I think it's so important that as affective leaders, when we are into team building, we're always looking through a window. We are looking into the both the short-term and long-term future needs of the organization versus building our teams by looking in a mirror. Because of course, looking in a mirror is just so limiting because of course, we all tend to see ourselves and we tend to hire and promote people with very similar interests and or we simply repeat the past. Oh, that's so true, Jamie. And, and you know, I, I, I think it's a great analogy to, to describe what we've talked about today with, with our team. And on that note and looking, you know, through our podcast window for the rest of November, we really see a lot more interesting discussions about expectations and empowerment. So thanks everyone for joining us today. And next week, we're excited about looking in more depth at the idea, the ideas of commitment versus compliance. And I'd just like to remind everyone that our podcast will be posted on a weekly basis. 
And there will also be a weekly blog on LinkedIn and short video on YouTube that both review this week's key points on affective leadership, five steps to empowering employees. So thanks again for joining us and please continue to look for our overall series, Affective Leadership Positivity Promotes Productivity in all of these formats. And please feel free to connect with Jamie and me on LinkedIn. We welcome our listeners' feedback and also uh, any suggestions for future aspects of effective leadership that you'd like explored. We can always be reached at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And Jack and I look forward to connecting with you next week on Affective Leadership. Positivity promotes productivity.